microphone. There we go. Yeah, is that better? <coughs> um, so, Scott had asked me to teach, and um, I, you know, I thought for a little bit about, like we all do, what, what would you have me teach on, Lord? And then he said, just teach on what, what I've been talking to you about lately. And that's the beauty of staying in the Word and, you know, just continuously being a student, right, which we all are, and we all study to so show ourselves approved. And so it was encouraging to me because sometimes I do struggle. You know, it's like Saturday at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, and I don't have anything yet. Anybody else ever been there? <laughs> that's kind of a... <coughs> it's kind of an uncomfortable feeling. Lord, I'm ready now. <laughs> now would be good. But he said, just just share uh, with the people what I've been sharing with you. So that's what I'm going to do today. Um, the title of this teaching, by the way, I'm Les Terrell, for all those you you who are listening. Uh, this is the uh, Wisdom Seekers class, and today is the 6th of October, Sunday. And I'm fortunate to be able to share with you this morning what the Lord's been sharing with me. Um, the title of our teaching is Final Words. And what the Lord, the Lord's had me in the New Testament. So I guess much of last year, he had me studying the Old Testament, literally from the front to the back. And then this year, he's had me in the New Testament. And so um, I've been studying much of the Gospels. And what really prompted this teaching was the, um, the, the last part that we're going to talk about, which is in John, uh, John 13 through 17. You know, that's where Jesus is with the disciples in the upper room. They're, they're having a time of fellowship. They're having, you know, the Last Supper. They're having a meal together. And I think about our family and, and our home and, you know, some of the most intimate and best times that we have are those that are gathered around the table you know you may be the same way you're you're in the in the dining room you know the upper room and at a big table and you're seated and there's just conversations going on down here at that end and that end and and uh, those are really wonderful times of sharing and you know I think we tend to think um, the last supper was like this you know I don't want to say rigid, but kind of like formal. We see the picture, you know, it's just, it's all like staged. And it's even that way sometimes in our mind when we think about the Last Supper, you know, John with his head on Jesus' chest. And I I think that, and I, I think this of many things <coughs> in, the, um, in the spirit, I think that, you know, the Lord gave us this life on earth, and it is what it is, and there's times of fellowship and cutting up and laughing and having fun. You know, we're, when, we, when we go on to the other side, I really, I know it's going to be more glorious than we can imagine. But on one sense, I also think it's going to be kind of like unzipping, you know, this, the, the slit in the sheet and just kind of stepping through and zipping it shut. And it's going to be very similar, yet magnificently different. But when I think about the Last Supper, um, I've always thought it was that kind of more traditional, you know, scene that we see painted when actually I think it was more conversational and and um, and of course Jesus had some heavy things to share there right so but nonetheless um, what the Lord has been speaking to me is the importance of um, final words or last words or exhortations that are given before one passes on into the next realm right our, our permanent place and so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. So I, um, in my mind, I imagine all these things about teaching. You know, I'm going to have a slide up here and presentations and all. We're going to have music. And I, I didn't have time to put all that together. <laughs> so what I would like, though, a little bit of an activation here is for you to take your teaching sheet, which you notice is pretty short, one-sided. On the back side, if you have a pen, I want you to get out and draw the old tombstone and then write on there what you would like yours to say. Our own tombstone. Write down what you would... And remember, you know, it's got to be concise and short and sweet because it's got to fit on your tombstone. Okay? So write down what you would have it say. <laughs> 
Stacy needs a pen, don't you? <laughs> Mont Blanc. <laughs> I was walking the dog, and, and um, you know, walking the dog is something that's happened in our family since the kids went to school. You know, the kids are gone, and you have a little bit of extra time, and it seems like we, we take more walks with the dogs now. But um, up until then, whenever I go ride my bike, there's a lot of time there where it's just me. You know, I go to the, the lake in the morning, the sun's coming up, the ducks are flying across the water. It's very, there's a lot of solitude and peace and beauty and, and just, you know, you all know that I love nature and it's about as close as I can get in the city of Dallas. But those are some of the times where the Lord really shares with me and speaks to me and, and we have that time of fellowship and commune. And um, it's kind of started to happen that way with walking the dog. And so I was walking Shadow and Scarlet actually the other day and I kept hearing, you know, Jesus' final words. And I, the only reason I can remember these is the Josh Garrell song where he says, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, right? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And then it says what? He yielded up the ghost. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know, so I think about our final words. I mean, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know, and you think about how, you must, how he must have been feeling at that moment and we know because we've studied it and pastors taught on it that he wasn't saying why have you like why have you left me lord because the lord never leaves us never left him but it was more along the lines of almost you know interceding as he does today on our behalf you know why why have you forsaken me? You know, why, why, why is this happening such that, you know, we're not going to be here to guide the disciples and the saints and all? You know, it's more along those lines versus a panic that the Lord had left him and he was about to die, right? But um, that, that started me thinking about, you know, what, what, what do you want your final words to be? And it's, hard, it's a hard, um, it's a hard <laughs> thing to answer, right? But, you know, if you had somebody you loved and somebody you cared about, that you could sit down with over a course of a number of days and impart to them what you would before you passed, might those words of guidance or exhortation or wisdom have some heavier weight of import? Absolutely. And so the Lord was telling me as I was reading in the Gospels, and especially, like I said, at the end of John 13 through 17, you know, this, this is Jesus. I mean, he says at the beginning, he, he knows his time is up, right? The deceiver is at hand. They're at the dinner table. And he knows it is going to rapidly draw to a close. And then he starts sharing at the table, right? And then they leave the upper room and he shares for another chunk of time. And then he says like this final prayer to Abba in their presence before, you know, the Sanhedrin come and take him away out of the garden. And he even tells the disciples, he says, I'm, I'm, I'm about, you're not going to hear much from me anymore after this, right? And so the Lord just said, Les, you really need to be looking at these words. I mean, what is he saying to his disciples? What, what is this that he's imparting? And understand that this is Jesus, the Christ, imparting these last words to his disciples. And not only to his disciples, but to generations of saints until he comes back thousands of years we're on you know 2019 so far i mean that's so that that's why he's had me i believe studying this stuff so i thought okay well lord we'll talk about that we'll talk about john 13 through 17 um but then there's also some other notable people right who have given some final words to their um mentorees if we will right so the lord had me go back and and do a little study on that so that's what we're going to talk about today good okay um, who wants to share first? What's on your tombstone? <laughs> Stacy, how about you? <laughs> oh, <laughs> she's got flowers planted all around it, little hearts in the corner, and no, no writing. Oh, so you're gonna leave like a, a um, you're gonna leave a dry erase marker attached to your tombstone, so people can write down what they think of you. 
Tuesday would say to stop dancing. <laughs> but I think that um, you know, the person that came to mind really was that you know she still lives because you know, I, don't even, I don't even consider what happens at that place to be permanent. Right. You know, I live. I still live. So anything I would say has to do with being with my beloved. I mean, nothing about what I did on earth. Mm-hmm. You know, it is what it is. It speaks for itself. But mm-hmm. the only place my eyes are is to where I'm going. Amen. That's good. Because you're not looking at this present life and what you accomplished here. You're looking at your life eternally, right? I was reading in, uh, I, was, I do some reading of Tozer, some of you may do the same, and he talks about how, you know, Christians, for many people, we, we, it's like we have this line in the middle, and on this side we have the spiritual things, and we have the line, and then on this side we have the carnal things, right? We get up in the morning, we do our spiritual stuff, then we go to work and we do our carnal stuff, and then we may come home in the evening and go back to the spiritual side. And he's like, you know, can't do that. You know, you need to erase that line and understand that it's all one thing, right? And, boy, you love it when you find an author like that that just puts his finger on it, right? Because that's true. So many people live that way. You know, they they go to church on Sunday, and then they live in the world the rest of the week. And it's just, I know that we're not that way. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Uh, I know you're not that way. Um... So, who else wants to share, Burke? <laughs> um, Dennis is raising his hand. Oh, we'll go to him next. No, you go ahead. <laughs> uh, I'm like Stacy. I just broke down devoted intercessor, husband, lover of God. Amen. Devoted intercessor. And husband. And husband and lover of God. Amen. Dennis? I just simply said, uh, don't be sad. I'm not here. No. <laughs> That's good. Don't be sad. I'm not here. <laughs> yes. Our angel on earth. Our angel on earth. <laughs> oh, our angel on earth. <laughs> Monica. I put uh, mother, grandmother, great grandmother, because I. Plan to enjoy all my grandchildren. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm eventually going to get some. Uh, intercessor follower of Jesus. Amen. That's good. Anybody else want to share? Tammy does. Oh, Tammy. Yes, you do. <laughs> I now behold my father and his son, Jesus. Aww. I now behold my father and his son, Jesus. Amen. Wow. You, you mentioned about words of wisdom that you would say. Mm-hmm. I put some down. I oh, you put, did? Yeah, that I would say to my children, Okay. my last. Yeah. I would say, submit your life to Jesus. Learn his word, surrender, and follow him. Amen. Good advice right there. Well, thank you for sharing. I appreciate y'all doing that. See, I'm how you didn't make everybody do it. Yeah, yeah that's uh, do you want me to make everybody do it? Yeah. I'm surprised you didn't volunteer me. <laughs> I was trying to give you a break, but now, Trish, let's hear yours. You mean, I, just, I put intercessor and friend of God. Intercessor go. and friend of God. Amen. Good. Nancy? I put lover of God. Lover of God. Good. I got everybody in the center section. <laughs> Debbie, what do you have? Well, I did a number of things because I first thing I thought was she gave better than she got but after that <laughs> she gave she better, better than, than she, she got, got. <laughs> and I thought no this should probably be spiritual so I put always closer to heaven than earth always closer go. to heaven than earth yeah. amen good. that is good you guys good job you get an A plus <laughs> hallelujah alright well that was fun wasn't it yes. <laughs> Did you tell us what yours would say? You know, I didn't. Oh, you're calling me out. Oh, come on. Um, I, I, had, I had thought of that, and what I originally thought was um, obedient son, uh, 
faithful husband and good father, something like that. And then while I was up there, I thought about Enoch. He walked with God and was no more. You know, so, um, some, you know, something like that. I mean, yeah. I, I, I think that, so let's, let's say on our tombstone it said, walked with God and is no more. You know, the Bible says, call those things that are not as though they be. And so what if we, you know, walked over here to the end of our life and we wrote down, walked with God and is no more. And then we came back here to where we are today and asked ourselves, what would we need to do beginning today so that when we get to there, that's what can be on our tombstone, right? What, what can we do today that, that would allow us to be able to have on our, as our final words to everybody that walks by in the cemetery, walks with God and is no more. So you might chew on that <coughs> for a while. All right, so let's, let's um, jump in here and do some study. Let's first go to Deuteronomy. Such a lovely sound, isn't it? Clears your ears, wakes you up, nobody's sleeping yet. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 31, and let's read uh, verse 7 to 8. Now these are... Um, final words, Mo Moses. I, I, I really sat there and I, I wrote down in my, from my mind. I thought, okay, who gave some good words to you know their mentorees along the way? And so uh, Monica actually, I think, I shared with her what I was teaching on, and she said um, Moses to Joshua. So Moses to Joshua, and Moses called unto Joshua in verse seven of Deuteronomy chapter thirty-one, and he said unto him. In the sight of all Israel, right? This was not done in a closet. In the sight of all Israel, be strong and of good courage. For thou must go with this people unto the land which the Lord has sworn unto their fathers to give to them. And thou shalt cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, he it is that doth go before thee, and he will be with thee. He will not fail thee, neither forsake thee. Fear not, neither be dismayed. So, um, Monica and I have talked about this passage before, and it's, it's one of the, I don't want to say it's one of the saddest passages, but you think about Moses, right, and all, the, all that he did for the Lord, and then because he disobeyed the Lord, right, when the Lord says, speak to the rock, and he struck the rock, he didn't get to go into the promised land. I mean, think about that. Right? The promise. And he didn't get to go in. If you read through this, though, he got to see it from afar, but he didn't get to go in. And it's just, that is a pretty sad story. But nonetheless, Moses is talking to Joshua here, and he's giving him some... Um, guidance right and some advice and what does he tell him he says be strong and of good courage and when you look at this word strong it's the word hazak okay and what that means and i love this it says be strong means to fasten upon now you think about fastening upon most of us in here have had kids and how many of you have ever had a kid when you're walking along and the kid like grabs your leg and like you're going like this you know and they think it's so cool you know you're just dragging them along right and they're playing and laughing so when you think about this word being strong I want you to have that picture in your mind you are grabbing on to the Lord okay you are fastening upon the Lord you are seizing the Lord Okay, if I grab my water bottle and bring it over here, did I seize it or did I just simply pick it up? You know, there's a difference between seizing something. I mean, when you seize something, you're grabbing hold of it and you are not letting it go, right? That's, that's, that's what this means to be strong. Be strong. That's what we need to do. We need to be strong. We need to latch on to the Lord. We need to seize him. We need to fasten ourselves to the Lord. Because you know what? 
when my kids grabbed my leg, I could not get them off, right? I mean, you're like prying their little finger. Come on, okay, honey, fun's over now, you know. You can't get them off. That's how we need to be. We need to, when we, when we talk about being strong, because it's a tough life, right? There's a lot of people that are going to come against us, as we know, because the Word tells us that. We've got to be strong. <clears throat> Let's see. It also, that also means to be obstinate. You know, obstinance we think about in a negative sense. Ah, that person's so obstinate. I can't get them to come around to my way of thinking, right? Well, when you know what you know and you believe what you believe and you, you know what you're supposed to believe and you believe that, you should be obstinate. You know, I cannot, you cannot sway me away from what the Lord tells me, period. I'm obstinate. We need to be obstinate in that manner. We need to be conquerors. We need to be established. We need to know that we are going to prevail, um, be sure, be urgent, and to behave oneself valiantly, right? Dennis was in the Navy, and anybody that's been in the military, I myself have not, knows, though, that if you're in battle and you turn and run, what happens? Your own leaders will put you up on the firing line. You've deserted the front line, okay? You can't turn and run. You have got to be valiant, okay? But what if you didn't get a good night's sleep before? <laughs> right? I'm tired. I only got three hours of sleep. You got to press ahead, right? All right. Um, be strong and be of good courage. Courage Amos. It means to be alert, both physically and mentally. And it says, when you study that, it says to be alert physically on foot. So if you are in battle and you're walking through the forest and you've got your guys behind you and you're all, you know, the enemy's out there, are you just kind of having your gun down, just kind of dragging along, walking, yeah, looking at the birds like kids do when they play soccer? No. You're alert. I mean, because you, you're, I mean, you're probably a little nervous, right? Your, your senses are heightened, your awareness. Um, you are, you have that heightened sense of, of awareness and presence of mind as to what's going on around you, right? If you're walking through the woods and a, you know, raccoon runs out, he may get shot because you're, you're that sensitive to what's going on around you. That's what Moses is telling to Joshua here. Be of good courage. Courage, again, you've got to be physically alert. And you've got to be mentally alert. Okay? Keep your mind sharp. Again, be strong, alert, courageous, brave, etc. Um, and then he goes on to say, For thou must with this people unto the land... I'm sorry. Thou must go with this people unto the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and thou shalt cause them to inherit it. Um... It's interesting this, thou shalt cause them to inherit it. When I, I, I can't tell you how many times I've like, talked to my kids and I've said, you can't make anybody do anything. You can't make them do anything. Okay? If somebody's being mean to you, you can't make them stop. So we, we can't make people do anything. We can encourage them, right? We can encourage them to act maybe the way we want them to. But it's interesting here because... Moses is telling Joshua, you are going to cause them to inherit the land. You're going to bring it to pass. And I think what he's saying is, you're going to cause them to inherit the land that the Lord has given them through your, your courage and through your strength, through your leadership, through your, your, um, your, your ability, your God-given ability of strength and courage, you're going to cause these people to rally behind you and go into the land and take it. Okay? Are we that kind of person? You know, Stacy, you just got back from Brazil. Hundreds, if not thousands of people over there wanting the Lord, right? Are you the kind of person that they would rally behind and that you could lead into inheriting the land? Yeah. But God has people that he's raising up to do that. And yes, they will see that anointing on that individual. Yeah. And it will prick their heart and they'll be moved 
you know, mm-hmm. to follow. I mean, that's just, just the way God moves. I mean, he gives everyone the opportunity to hear the message or to see what he's doing. And either they're moved to do it or they choose not to. But, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's exactly what is happening. I mean, it's, it's interesting because in, in, the, in the teaching here, near, toward, near the end, I talk about, or I, I share about in the, in the scripture, it talks about, you know, in, in our own self we can do nothing, but we can do all things through Christ which strengthens us, right? And when, like you said, when that power of the Lord comes on those people that he has designated to lead, they'll lead. Well, maybe Joshua rejected the commission. You know, someone else would have been chosen to do that. So Joshua was chosen. He accepted his position and went forth obediently. Therefore, what God intended did come to pass. It's funny because I think about, <coughs> excuse me, I think about Jonah in the belly of the whale, right? He made that come to pass anyway, didn't he? He did, right? <laughs> he rejected. He on him. Go to Nineveh. No. <laughs> Turn around and start walking the other way. And so he got a free ride. And a, God and a, knows how to make it happen. Under the sea. <laughs> got a free ride under the sea in the belly of the whale, and he got spewed up. Yep. <laughs> right? And, and then he said, thing. okay, Lord, where is that that you wanted me to go? Actually, it's a spew either way. It is. You know what I think about is, you know, the stomachs where our food gets digested, and there's acid in there, right? They say if you like, you know, I mean, you can put a lot of stuff in your stomach, and that acid will eat it up, right? And I think about if you're in the belly of a whale for however many days and nights, it's a whale. That's got to be some strong acid, right? He had to be in bad shape. That'd be unpleasant, isn't it? Ugh. I read something about. Some medical people said that he had a, he must have had kind of a yellow brown dye or color the rest of his life for a long, long time. Because the acid, like. Yeah, from the acids. Yeah. Yeah, that copper tone tan. (laughs) 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 Oh, man. But that would be like a, a forever testimony of what happened. Yeah, it would. So uh, what Moses said to Joshua, I, I just have such a strong impression that Moses knew what he was talking about. You think? When he said, you shall cause the people to do this. Well, at the leadership of the Lord, Moses had just caused the people to travel for 40 years. So he knew what he was talking about when he said that. Yep. You bring up a good point because, and I hadn't thought about this, but he knew what he was talking about. Why? From experience. From experience. Yeah. From walking with the Lord. And, yeah. And, and yeah. seeing the, the hand and the miracles and the, also the judgment. And the, oh, yeah. All Everybody. of that. Yeah. But see, um, you know, so we're, here we are. Saints talking about, you know, hearkening to what the Lord has said to us and how, you know, the Lord is taking us out and he's putting us in points of leadership to use us as he did Moses, as he did Joshua, um, as Jesus tells us we're supposed to do, right, in, in his final words to us. And, and part of that is we're able to share our experiences and you know, use those to encourage ourselves and those that we're assigned to, those that we're called to, right? Um, because you're right, Dennis. Moses could tell Joshua, you're going to cause the people to inherit the land. Yeah. Right? I think, I think too, I think, you know, there, there's a lot to, you know, what we're talking about here. I mean, I think, too, you know, how God could see in, into Joshua himself and see what he had placed in there. And then Moses could see that as well in some ways and he was just, I mean there's a, there's a lot of different dynamics and um, it's, it's astounding to know that we say this but we really 
know, you wonder sometimes, Lord, do you really know? <laughs> he knows everything. But man, when you're in the thick middle of something like this, and you've got, you've got an individual that has walked that path before you and knows the pitfalls and knows the what's going to come against you, they can emphatically say, if you stand, you're going to break through. Um, be strong. Be of good courage. I mean, where is that coming from? That's coming out of years, years of experience in the Lord. And and you think about all he's, he's done in all of us. And the things that we share with people. I mean, it has lasting, can have lasting impact on the inside of that individual. From It's just, it's, it's astounding to me. Lord's doing in us and around us and throughout the world. And, and and I'm saying that for myself because so many times I, in my humanness, I don't remember what the, what the Lord has done. And I don't purposely tell myself, well, I'm not going to remember. You know, but I think it's really important that we remember everything we've walked through and speak that just over people. And, we, and He leads us he leads us to the right person and just, I mean, at any given moment, just release that to people. Because when we speak his word from experience, it's it's gonna it's gonna do something on the inside of people. And it's gonna help them. Um that is so true. So quick aside, because I just thought of it when you were <clears throat> the Lord, he is going to put those people in our lives, right? Olivia and I were at um Eatsy's having lunch the other day. And we were sitting outside, and there was a table, um, I guess maybe one or two tables over from us, and there was a black gentleman that had kind of uh, Bob Marley-like hair, but shorter, right? And there was a woman there, and there was a kid, and he was sitting there, and he had on this really pretty blue suit, you know, with a little hand, whatever, you know, along the lapels. What is it called? You say stitching? Stitching, yeah, just kind of, you could, it was really, it, it looked really nice. So, Livy and I had finished our, and I'm kind of watching, he has this kind of bright face, no tie, white shirt though. And um, so we go back into the restaurant, we're going to get some bread to take home with us. And we walk in, and he comes walking in behind us. And um, I looked at him, I said, I said, brother, that is a good looking suit you have on. And he, you know, he starts, oh, man, thank you so much, yada, yada, yada. I came here for a job interview. I came, it's almost like he said, I came here for a job interview, not to Eatsy's, but like to Dallas maybe from somewhere else. And uh, I said, well, I said, that's, I said, that's a good looking suit. And um, he said, he said something, I, and um, no, he, he, he was then really complimentary of me and the fact that I spoke up and said something to him. It was like, you know, brother, you just, that really encourages me. And so when he got finished with that, I said, well, amen. He said, did you just say amen? I said, yeah. He's like, brother, <laughs> that blesses me so much. And he, like, grabbed my hand, hugged me. And uh, he said, hey, let's go to the right hand. <laughs> Mark, I said, when, when, he, when he said, that blesses me so much, I said, do you know what amen means? And he said, yeah, it means um, agreement. I said, you're right. I said, you know, amen means at the right hand. I said, it's amen means at the right hand. Jesus is, and this is what I told him. I said, Jesus is at the right hand of God the Father, that place of power, that place of agreement. And it, gave, it was an opportunity for me to share with him and to really, I have no idea this person's physical or uh, spiritual condition, but I, I gleaned that he was probably a believer. But that's, you know, that concept Amon, I mean, that at the right hand, that place of power and purpose, that's not something that everybody knows. I mean, a lot of people know that Jesus is at the right hand of God the Father, but they don't, they, you know, they just think that's the preferred seat, right? <laughs> but there's more to it than that, right? But you're right, the Lord is going to give us opportunities like that. And we need to seize, latch on to, grab hold of, and not let go every one of those opportunities. Because that is how the Lord works. Right? 
The still small voice, is that a loud, booming voice? No, it wasn't in the earthquake, it wasn't in the rock shattering, it wasn't in the fire, it wasn't in the wind. It was in the still small voice. These opportunities that come along, it's, you know, for some reason we think that we're going to be standing up in this football stadium full of people sharing. It may be one at a time during the course of your whole life. One at a time. We don't know. It might be in front of a, a football stadium full of people. But what if it is, Monica, one at a time? And what if you've squandered half of those opportunities because you thought, oh, Lord, you're not really saying that, right? <laughs> or we try to convince ourselves why we're not going to say and I'm, I'm not trying to make us feel bad but I've done that too where you're in a context where you feel a little bit uncomfortable and you use uncomfortability as a oh it's a sign for the Lord that, oh I don't need to say something really that I know. just be me mm -hmm. can I no it's not just you I'm going to share another story we all like stories right <laughs> so I've been riding my bike to work as frequently as I can if I can Monday, Wednesday, Friday because I can ride down there and take a shower and get ready and go to work so I usually am listening to some kind of worship music or sermon or something while I'm, while I'm riding. And um, I'm riding down, and I'm getting close, to, getting close to downtown, and there's a trail. It's the Santa Fe Trail, and it kind of ends in Deep Elm, and then I ride down uh, Elm Street into downtown and cut over. That's the little sketchy part. You have to really be careful. Um, but I'm riding down the trail, and I don't know if, if you've ever driven down I-30 in downtowns like right here, and there's this thing that looks like a big grain silo on the right. I was kind of like right there, okay? And I see this guy in a wheelchair, homeless. I mean, dirty, you know, pretty, I mean, it's clear what was going on. And so I had a banana in my back pocket. So I'm riding up, and I stop, and I reach back there, and I pull out this banana. I go like this. And he looks at the banana, and he says, no. I'm like, really? You know, so then my self rise to, rose up. Right? I'm like, really? I'm trying to give you something. You don't want my banana? You know, so I said, fine. Put it back in my pocket and rode off. <laughs> so, um, you know, that's the same route I take frequently. And the Lord told me, he said, next time, pray for him. Next time, pray for him. And so, like you're, you're, you were talking about, you know, reasons to not do <laughs> what the Lord has told us to do, right? And I, I, I'm just being perfectly clear and clean and honest with you. Every time I ride my bike down there, I look for that guy. And on the inside of me, I kind of hope I don't find him. Okay? Because it's why. It's uncomfortable. Yet, a few days after that, I'm riding downtown on my bike, and I'm taking a different route. I'm going down Swiss Avenue. Swiss Avenue takes you pretty much all the way downtown, too. I'm riding downtown, and I see a homeless guy. And he's on this yellow bicycle, old, beat up. And he's like, by this, I'm going this way, and he's like over here, and he's like bending over, jacking with it and all. So I stopped. I said, what's going on? He's like, I can't get the gears to change. I can't get the gears to change. So I start looking at it. Well, it's a single speed. There are no gears. Okay. But his brake is also like, you know, clamped down or it's not working right. And so I got down there and I'm jiggling with it and I can't, I can't get the brake fixed. So I looked at him and I said, look, the reason why the gears aren't changing is there are no gears to change. He's like, what? Well, I, tra I, traded, I traded my bike for this bike because, uh, you know, somebody probably duped him, right? And I said, brother, there's, it's, it's a single speed. There's only one gear. And I said, and, and the brakes, like this brake lever was like, would not move. And so I'm like trying to jack with the cable. I can't get it. You know, he has a rear brake, but the front brakes. So I'm like, look, I can't get the brake to work. I said, but you're probably going to have to take it to a bike shop. He said, well, like, how much is that going to cost me? I'm like, I don't know, you know, they might do it for free for you or maybe 10 bucks or something. He said, oh, okay, well, that's not too bad. I said, but let me pray for you. And he was like, you know, you just got this. <laughs> that's what people want. 
Huh? That's what they want. Yeah. Sorry. I was not going to get emotional. <laughs> anyway, so, um, you know, I grabbed his hands and we prayed. And, you know, he looked at me and said, thank you so much, brother. And he got on his little yellow bike. and But that, you know... Olivia, Daddy, breathe. <sighs> breathe, Daddy. <laughs> That's what the world is after, okay? They're not after your money. They don't want your banana, okay? <laughs> they're after. That's what they're after. They, they are longing to know that somebody loves them, somebody cares for them. And so, Monica, we can't squander those opportunities when they come along, Right? But, you know, I, I shared the first story with you about the guy who wouldn't take my banana, and I, you know, I look for where I think he's going to be every day, and I kind of hope I don't see him. But then a few days later, the Lord so easily gives me this opportunity to share with the guy on the yellow bike. And so now when I look for the other guy, I think, ah, it's not going to be that bad. <laughs> right? He already showed me how it is. It's just not that bad. And it doesn't really matter whether it's bad or not bad. What matters is if the Lord tells us to do it, what should we do? We should do it. Right? So, um, wow, I thought this was going to be a, one of those teachings where you like finished in 15 minutes. <laughs> anyway, be strong, be of good courage, and let's cause the saints to inherit the land that the Lord has given us. Amen. The Lord caused the Israelites to inherit the promised land, and he did it through leaders like Joshua. The Lord is going to cause the saints to inher inherit the terio the Lord's given us. And he's going to do it through leaders like us. Right? One person at a time or 50,000 people at a time. That's not for us to decide. Okay? So let's just take it a day at a time and see what opportunities the Lord gives us. And let's seize and latch on to those opportunities. Amen? Amen. Les, can I yes. About the bicycle? Yes. Do you have one that needs repair also? Way back in my uh, reckless youth, I'd taken a big spill on the bike. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was, it was a, a, a bad place. You have to know New Mexico, to, but I upped up on the curb and was kind of, you know, curb is not very wide. So you're like this, trying to keep your balance, and I went off. I was going too fast, and you know. So I laid there, kind of trying to think of <laughs> think about life in general, <laughs> not wanting to get up yet. And uh, it, it, I'm sure the Lord was speaking to me, but it, it was like I realized for the first time that. Uh, Life is like riding a bicycle. And uh, you were talking about bicycles. And if you're wanting to keep your balance, you turn into your fall. If you turn away from your fall, you're going down. It would be real hard to do that on a, on a curve, you know. But if we turn away from what's going to make us fall, we're going down. If we turn away from fear, fear wins. If you turn toward the fear and challenge the fear, you're going to stay balanced. That's excellent. And that's so true spiritually. When we turn away from that, what we're called to do, that fear wins. Yep. And, and in, a, in certain situations, the enemies win. We have to turn, we have to challenge what's going to make us fall. That doesn't mean we're reckless. No. But if we challenge what makes us fall, we're going to stay balanced. Yeah. And it's so true spiritually. It's like a life lesson where the carnal helps you understand the spiritual. Yeah. That's and, good. Uh, turn into the fall. Whatever, yeah. Yeah. And too many times I and I think other people turn away. Mm-hmm. <coughs> That's that human, that's that, that human yep. 
element within, I think, in all of us. Yeah. And, um, but over time, we, what's ironic about all of it for me is even though I know that. Yeah. You still turn away from the fall. Or I try to magnify and think, okay, well, Lord, this problem is so big and this opposition is so strong. Yep. You have no idea. Yeah. And I do that in my mind, and before I know it, I'm, I'm already defeated, but then he all that his spirit always says, just come back to me. Mm -hmm. yeah. I get back in that mode, mm -hmm. then it becomes, I get focused right. and he aligns me. Yeah. I'm so grateful for that. It's, it's, <laughs> and it's true in you know, so many carnal ways, too, in business. Yeah. You can't turn away from that problem. If you do, you're going to fall. Mm -hmm. you got to turn into it yep. and address it and even challenge it. Uh, one of my mentors along the way told me it early on, he said, you know, if, if you come to the office or to work or wherever it is you go and there's something that you're really just dreading doing or something you don't want to do, do that first. Mm -hmm. Right? Because otherwise you're going to be worried about it all day. And it just takes the wind out of your sails. Stacy. Mm -hmm. I think that something that <clears throat> I've learned um, as well is, is the fact that many people avoid the truth because it hurts. But to me, the truth is the only thing I can really rely on, whether it hurts or not. And so I'm just, I, you know, even with just my conversations with the Lord, it's like I just state the most obvious, obvious error or, you know, whatever I'm dealing with. Because to me, to have it out in the open is what brings the freedom. Because you're not hiding from something. Even people deceive themselves because they just don't want to face what is hard to face. So to me, it's the same principle. You just you have to drive into the truth. You have to actually be glaringly open and and real about what the truth is. Because even though it hurts and it does, sometimes it's just you know it's crushing to think you know how we are. <laughs> And, uh, or some painful truth about something else that you just don't want to face the reality of what something is. But you're facing it with him, and that, that just breathes, you know, freedom and life and confidence, you know, that it's not about what you can do or manifest. It's what God's doing in the situation anyway. So anyway, this is just another example of going into the truth. People often just don't want to face it. That's so, so good, Stacy, and Dennis. Both of those were really good. But mine was better. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tammy's up next, so y'all are both going to be We're all in the deep now. No, I liked the uh, examples that you gave, and uh, you've been on Prophetic Presbytery forever, you know, and you still come and help so much. appreciate that. But... Uh, I try to do the things that you do less, you know, the encounters that I have with people. And um, I was thinking about uh, how Moses had told Joshua about the strength and uh, talking about how to fasten on or seize, seize that. And um, what I have learned in my life is when I am speaking to someone, um, I feel like I, I've released something to them. Maybe it's been a prophetic word, or maybe I just prayed for them, or I exhorted them. Mm -hmm. But sometimes what happens is I stop and I feel like I'm finished. And so I say to the Lord, and, and I feel like I'm seizing him, and I say, is there anything else? Is there more? And, uh, and it comes with experience. I can't say that I always walk away feeling like it's complete. But uh, sometimes they'll say no. And so I just keep going. Other times I've said that and it's like that was all I needed to say. And it wasn't much, but evidently that's what they needed to hear. And so for me, when I think about strength and I think about seizing or fastening onto that strength, speaking spiritually about my walk with the Lord and encounters I have with people, especially people I don't know. It does happen with people I do know. Um, I think it's easier, though, with people I don't know. I find it easier. But uh, I try to seize the Lord and say, is that It's like I'm grasping for the hem of his garment, and I'm trying to get clarity. Is there more? 
And uh, I kept thinking about the man that you met at the restaurant. And I just want to say that I thought that was very powerful, but uh, seize the Lord. And is there any more that I need to And I'm still trying to learn that too. Mm -hmm. now, I've never known anybody like you, Tammy. I remember 20 years ago, we had those, those lines. We always prayed for people. And, and here we were. I was green as, you know, green as could be. And so we're praying for people and laying hands on people. And I was like, and then I was done. I was like, Tammy, she would be at one person for like 10 minutes because she was not letting go until she felt like the Lord was done. And I was, I'm telling you, I, that happened all the time. It, it always amazed me. I was like, how does she have that patience to just stay there no matter what? I was just, <laughs> I was just running down that line, and I don't know that I knew anything that I was doing. You know, I was just praying and moving on, but I always thought, you know, you really, Lord's given you the gift to really, to really just be patient in the moment and not feel like you don't have to, I have to pray for all these people. It may just be this one person that I pray for, you know, in this prayer line. And, that's really being led of the Lord. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, it's, it's an admirable quality that God has given you to do that. Amen. Over 48 years. Yeah. <laughs> and work on you. Of experience. Over 48 years of experience. <laughs> She's not done yet. Oh, no. <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> Is there more, Lord? Is there more? Yes, oh, I'm not done yet. Oh, come oh. on. Does anybody ever think about, you know, the passage that says you, you, you have entertained angels unaware, and, you know, Jesus, you, you know, um, when, when uh, the person says, well, Lord, you know, when were, you know, when were you sick and we took you in, or when were you thirsty and we gave you a drink, and, and he says, you know, when you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. I think about those passages, and I think about what, what is it going to be like? When we get to heaven, when we unzip and step through and we're on that other side, and all of a sudden we see all these faces of the guy at Eatsy's, the old toothless guy on the yellow bike, you know, um, the, the, wheel, the guy in the wheelchair that wouldn't take my banana, but took my prayer that I'm going to ultimately get to give to him, right? What's it going to be like? Because I think we're going to see those people, we're going to see those faces, and, and you know, we're probably not going to have memory issues when we get to heaven, <laughs> like we might today. You know, and, and, and you're going you're gonna to say, oh my gosh, you know, you're the guy on the bike path in the wheelchair. You know, how come you didn't take my banana? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just ate. I wasn't hungry. I Don't take it personally. <laughs> I wanted your prayer and you didn't give it to me oh. the first time. You know, so, um, you know, you, you think about what that's going to be like, and that should be a source of encouragement for us also, right? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Um, let's see here. I'm going to read this. Um, Deuteronomy 34, verses 4 to 7. <clears throat> no, I'm going to skip that one. That basically just, you know, it's, it's the Lord saying, hey, you know, I, I know I told you you couldn't go into the land because of your disobedience, but here you can look out there and look at it. And then it says that he died. And it says that uh, the servant of the Lord, Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab according to the word of the Lord. Interesting. Verse 6 of Deuteronomy 34. And he buried him in a valley in the land of Moab, over against Beth Peor. But no man knows of his sepulcher unto this day. Who buried Moses? Who buried Moses? The Lord. The Lord buried Moses. Think about that for a minute. Just in your mind. Okay, how much? I mean, how much did the Lord love Moses? As much as He loves you, Stacy. With His all, 
he buried Moses. I mean, the Lord in heaven came down and, like, picked up Moses, you know, dug a grave and, like, dropped him in it, covered it up. The Lord buried Moses. How cool is that? That's probably why. Yeah, because no, no man knows where his grave is. Did you ever wonder who knew that? Well, yeah, where to write they? it down. <laughs> Holy Spirit. Who knew that happened? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit had to tell somebody because Moses didn't write it down. No. So what did he? So he went away with God, and God showed him this, and then he died, and God buried him. What happened to all the people? I never saw that either. Yeah. Like all the people he led. Well, Joshua. Took with Joshua. Joshua took him into the promised yeah. land. Because he, he couldn't go. Oh, that's yeah. true. So he showed yeah. you. Okay. And he buried him in the valley in the land of Moab over against Beth Peor, but no man knows of his sepulcher unto this day. Wow. wow. And this is what another thing I wanted to drill down on. Verse 7, Moses was 120 years old when he died. Okay? Now, I think people may have lived longer back then than we do today, but nonetheless, 120 years old is pretty old. Mm -hmm. Interestingly, interestingly, though, <clears throat> this part B of verse 7 says, his eye was not dim, nor his natural force abated. He had clarity of vision. And his natural force was not abated. Now, the word force there comes from this word leah, which means, and I love this, freshness. Freshness. He was fresh. He was a full, I mean, you think about a fresh banana versus an overly ripe banana. One is kind of mushy and doesn't taste quite right. It's supposed so to be good for baking. Moses, 80 years old when he started? Taking he, the children out He was old, yeah. He, he was, was 80. A, yeah. Hmm. Wow. That wasn't very fresh. <laughs> think about that. If he was 80 and he died when he was 120, that's, that's, that's uh, 40. That's, a, that's so if you take 120 divided by 40, it's three, I'm always thinking about numbers. That's three. The last third of his life is when he did all of his work for the Lord, right? And so that would be, I'm glad you said that, because that, my comment on this was, when you read this, his eye was not dim, nor his natural force abated. Y'all have heard me say this before, but when you talk about retirement, the word retire means to take out of use. So when somebody says, oh, I can't wait to retire when I'm 65, they're saying, I can't wait to be of no use anymore. <laughs> right? We don't want to retire. There is no retirement in the work of the Lord. As a matter of fact, like Moses, your best work is probably going to come in the last third of your life. There is no retirement in the Lord's work. There is no letting up. His vigor was a full strength. He was a ripe banana. I mean, he was a green banana, not a ripe banana, right? He was strong. Even the people's clothing and shoes did not wear out. Mm -hmm. Right. It was 40 years. 40 years. It was 40 years. Well, I, I would like to have. <laughs> I mean, he will cause... Here's the thing. The Lord will cause our physical being, our physical frame, you know, to last as long as he wants it to last. Okay? Not as long as we want it to last, but he will cause it to last as long as he wants it to last for his work. Right? And when we expire and we pass on, you know, it's time. But until then, we want to have, we want to be fresh. You know that everybody says, oh, stay frosty, Stacy. Stay fresh, right? Stay at full that's that. that's potency. Pastor that. Huh? Pastor's always said that. Frosty? Stay frosty. Yeah. Stay frosty. Stay, stay frosty. frosty. I want us to stay, I want us to stay fresh and frosty. <coughs> stay fresh. Um, we have a couple more minutes. Okay. So let's read real quick um, Elijah to Elisha because there's some, there's some, uh, something to be learned here. I'm going to read 2 Kings 2, verses 9 to 15. 
And it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I'm taken away from you. And Elisha, in his boldness, he says, Well, I want a double portion of your spirit to be on me. And so Elijah says, Wow, <laughs> you're pretty bold, Elisha. That's a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken up from you, then it'll be. But if you don't see me, then it won't be. And it came to pass as they still went on and talked that, behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up by whirlwind into heaven and Elisha, what? He saw it. And he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more. So he took off his own clothes and he tore him in two pieces and he took up the mantle of Elijah that fell from him. And he went back and he stood by the bank of the Jordan. Now, before this passage, Elijah and Elisha are walking on the way. They come to the Jordan. Elijah takes off his mantle and he strikes the Jordan and the water parts and they walk across on dry land, okay? They get over there, and there's all these other prophets that are observing all this and watching, and, and they're, um, they're basically saying one another, Elijah's going to die, and his, his goods are going to get passed to Elisha. And so that, that is what happens. But what, so what happens here when we, read, when we read here, it says, He took up the mantle of Elijah that fell from him. He went back and stood at the bank of the Jordan. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him. And he did just like he'd learned from Elijah, right? He smote the waters. And then he said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And what happens? When he, when he had smitten the waters, they did what? They parted hither and thither, all the way across. And Elisha went over. So when the sons of the prophets uh, were there to view all this, they said, The spirit of Elijah does rest on Elisha. And they came to meet him, and they bowed themselves to the ground before him. In the passages before this, though, um, if you read in, let's just say, 2 Kings uh, 2, and just read up 1 through 9, Elijah asks or tells Elisha, wait here, I'm going to go do this. And what does Elisha say? I ain't waiting here, I'm sticking with you. Three separate times, Elijah, Elisha, stay here while I go do this. And Elisha says, I'm not staying here, I'm coming with you. Okay? What was he doing? The image of the kid grabbing your leg. Right? Elijah's, okay, Elisha, I'm going to drag you along with me. Okay? That's what Elisha is doing. He is not letting go of Elijah. And you know what? What if he had let go? Might he not have seen Elijah go up in the whirlwind? Very likely. Okay? Elisha knew his place. Elisha knew who the Lord had tethered him to. Tethered him to. You think of a boat at a dock tethered? I mean, those big boats you were on in the Navy, when they tethered them up, they weren't going anywhere, were they? <laughs> they were not moving. Okay? Elisha got this concept. I am latching on to Elijah, and I'm not letting him go. And because of that, Elijah's mantle passed to Elisha. Amen? What do we learn from that? Well, one thing that I've learned from this and doing this study and revisiting it is Elijah says, Elisha, I'm about to be gone. Ask me whatever you want. You know, how many of us would say, I just, man, I want what you got going on. Can I have what you have when you leave, Monica? Can I have that? He doesn't do that. I want double. Well, that's a little greedy. <laughs> Why are you asking for so much? Elisha also learned, probably along the way from Elijah, you need to be bold in your requests. If your requests are righteous requests, ask for the moon. Okay? Be bold in your request. I mean, you think the Lord, I mean, if your kid comes and says, you know, I want a fish, are you going to give him a stone? No. 
You're going to give him the best fish you can get. God's the same way. We need to be bold in our request to the Lord. Another thing we learn is we have to remain true to those that the Lord has us tethered to. Okay? We cannot let the rope out and start drifting away. Because that rope's going to come undone, land on the water, and we're going to sail off without a rudder into the midst of the sea. And you know what? We're seeing that right now go on in this network. There's, 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 some, there's some vessels that have been tethered to the one the Lord has tethered them to. And they have unloosed the rope and let the rope fall into the water, and they are drifting away. We can't do that. We cannot do that. We have got to stay tethered to those the Lord has us tethered to. And then, lastly, Elisha takes the mantle, goes back to the Jordan. Well, I hope the sucker works. Smacks the water. No, he takes it off, smacks the water, and water, and says, "Where's the Lord of you know? Where's the Lord of Elijah? You know, I expect this to happen. Part these waters." And what happens? The Lord shows up and parts the waters, right? So Elisha learned from Elijah to be confident in what you know. Okay? And he probably didn't learn that in one setting. He probably learned it along the way. So be confident in what you know. I would encourage you, because we are out of time, to look at the rest of these. Um, you know, David got, gave a lot of wisdom to his son Solomon in his final few days. So you can read that. Paul, obviously, to Timothy, my son Timothy. You know, Paul talked to Timothy a lot about what to do. And, you know, Jesus, not his last words, but in the Gospels, you know, he says, preach the kingdom, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, and cast out devils. If all we did was go about preaching the kingdom, healing the sick, cleansing the lepers, raising the dead, and casting out devils, we'd be pretty good. Right? We would be being used of the Lord. Um, and then finally, read on your own verses, uh, John verses, I'm sorry, John chapters 13 through 17. And just read it, pray before you read it, open your mind and your spirit and your hearts, and listen to the heart of the Lord, Jesus, as he shares with his disciples his parting thoughts, his parting um, admonitions um, and then lastly he in, in, in John chapter 17 this is astounding we are like a fly on the wall in a room listening to Jesus pray and beseech God the Father for those 12 disciples in that room and we get to hear what, what Jesus is saying and asking of God the Father to do for those 12 disciples and they're getting to listen to this too I mean can you imagine we, we get to be the fly on the wall listening read that read that and read what Jesus requests of the father for his disciples and know that he is today seated where at the right hand of God the father interceding and asking those same things for us amen thank you all right.